Hello, welcome to the Corbett Career Cast, the podcast from the Office of Career and Professional Development at the Joseph Cobell School of International Studies at the University of Denver. At Denver, today we are joined by Dustin Stroke, a student here at Corbell, who will interview Corbell alum Jonathan Pickney, who works for the United States Institute of Peace. Go ahead, Dustin, take it away. All right, uh, thank you, Eduardo. Um, let's get started. So, uh, Jonathan, let's to start. Uh, how about you introduce yourself? Just say your name, when you graduated from Corbell, what you studied while you're here, and then what you do now. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Well, first, I just wanted to say thanks for the invitation to to join you to be able to speak in this podcast. Uh, Corbell has a very a uh, very dear place in my heart, and so I'm always happy uh, whenever I get to whenever I get to chat to, with folks from Corbell. Um, I, I liked it so much that uh, I actually stuck around for two degrees. Um, so I graduated uh, with my master's degree from Corbell in 2014, uh, and then I stayed for a PhD and uh, graduated with my PhD in 2018. Um, while I was at Corbell, I did the international studies program uh, for my master's, uh, and then for my PhD, uh, I my two fields were international relations and comparative politics. Um, and in particular, I focused my research on uh, nonviolent resistance movements and democratization. Uh, so as uh, was previously mentioned, uh, I work now at the United States Institute of Peace. Um, I'm a senior researcher uh, for their program on nonviolent action. So can you give us an um, overview of what USIP does, uh, the key areas of work, um, and kind of how they how you use your skills to do that? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so the US Institute of Peace, uh, USIP, um, is a national, nonpartisan, independent institute. Uh, we were created by an act of Congress, and we're, we're funded by Congress. Um, and we work on, on global peace building. We seek to, uh, to resolve, uh, to mitigate, uh, and to prevent violent conflict. Uh, so that's the sort of overall, overall mission. There are a number of different ways that USIP tries to do that. Uh, we, uh, we act as a sort of a partner for uh, U.S. government agencies um, and also as an intermediary with foreign governments, civil society groups, um, and, and U.S. government officials. Uh, so that's more at the kind of elite diplomatic level. We also do a lot of work that is actually directly on the ground in conflict zones or fragile countries, uh, working with, again, civil society, community groups, or national and regional governments. Um, doing various kinds of various kinds of peace building projects, uh, and then we do a lot of uh, a lot of uh, applied research and training training and education work. Uh, that's kind of where where I come in with my with my skill sets. Uh, we try to better understand what works and what doesn't work in the broad realm of peace building. Um, specifically, uh, in my case, and with the uh, the program on nonviolent action where I work. Uh, we conduct applied research into what works for movements that engage in nonviolent action that seek to promote uh, peace, social justice, uh, and democracy using tools like protests, strikes, boycotts, um, other things that fall into that general category of, of nonviolent resistance. 
so, so yeah, so where I sit, um, I design and then conduct uh, different kinds of research projects trying to better understand nonviolent resistance uh, so that it can be a more effective tool for you know, that deeper mission of preventing, mitigating, and resolving violent conflict. Uh, the tools of that research then get sort of directly fed into our training, capacity building, and engagement work uh, with activists around the world. Uh, so my program has a, a training curriculum called Synergizing Nonviolent Action and Peace Building, uh, or SNAP, uh, that we, you know, we, we work with activists in, I think we are currently up to around seven or eight countries um, around the world. Uh, to, to train them better in the tools of, of nonviolent action and peace building. Uh, and then finally, we you know, present kind of findings from our research and our training with global policy audiences. So in some cases, that might be uh, agencies of the U.S. government to better inform sort of U.S. foreign, uh, US foreign policy. Um, or in other cases, it might be you know, international peace building organizations um, or uh, or in some cases, uh, foreign governments or intergovernmental organizations like the UN as well. Uh, so yeah, so that is essentially what uh, what USIP does and uh, what I what I spend my time doing on a on a day to day basis. I think that's pretty cool. I, it's more than just research for research's sake. You actually get to see that implemented and affect how things around the world happen, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think in particular for me, I mean, the thing that gets me really excited is the opportunity to, to work directly with activists, um, you know, to work directly with people who are engaged in these struggles for, for peace, for, for social justice, um, and to really to learn, I mean, to learn from them directly, to hear their, like, to hear their questions, and to be able to, like, to be able to work on questions that are particularly important uh, to to their to them and their work. Yeah. Uh, so, how did you how did you start at USIP? And would you say that your path was typical, or um, how would you say most people get their start there? Yeah. So, so I've been at USIP for about two and a half years now. Um, I started here in December 2019, uh, <laughs> just a few months before the pandemic, which was a little bit of a strange time to uh, start a new job and move to a new city and, and all of that. Um, my path, I would say, is a little bit unusual for most people who work at USIP um, in that, um, as I mentioned previously, you know, I had... I had uh, you know, just not that long before that, finished my PhD at Corbell. Um, my like in the interim, I worked. I worked as a as a researcher. I had a, a postdoctoral research fellowship uh, at a university in Norway, and my kind of intention was very much that I was gonna you know follow a traditional academic job route, become a professor, um, and be you know be doing research and teaching. Um, what led me to this job was actually uh, Twitter. Um, I, uh, you know, followed uh, the person who at the time was the director of the program on nonviolent action at USIP, uh, Maria Steffen, who's a, a leading scholar of nonviolent resistance, someone who uh, I knew a little bit through workshops, um, and someone, certainly someone whose work I knew very well and, and respected a lot because of her, her contributions to, uh, to the field. 
and she, you know, mentioned she sort of posted on Twitter that uh, her team here at USIP was looking to uh, hire someone to uh, to kind of spearhead their team's research efforts. And I, you know, looked at the job description, uh, you know, looked at the range of projects that they were working on, uh, and was, you know, was really excited both for the, the potential to do interesting research and for that, you know, kind of chance to directly apply research uh, in the field that we were that we were just chatting about. Um, and so I, uh, yeah, applied for applied for the job and was uh, was fortunate enough to get it and have been here have been here since. Um, like I said, I think that my path is a little a little atypical because you know most people who are here are not folks who have you know gone gone through sort of the the PhD. Uh, we do have a few of those, but that's not uh, that's not the norm. Uh, most folks, I would say, come to USIP uh, after studying you know studying peace building or international relations. Um, some folks come straight out of undergrad, uh, though I would say it's more typical for people to to start here after they've gotten a master's degree. Um, we do hire like uh, a number of people come, you know, straight out of grad school. Um, others uh, tend to come in either through working with international peacebuilding NGOs um, or often in government agencies as well. Uh, particularly, we've got a lot of folks at USIP who have experience working for USAID um, or, the, or the Department of State. Uh, but that tends to be that tends to be the profile of folks who who come to work at, uh, at USIP. I your story I, your story is a good example of why you shouldn't limit yourself to like traditional uh, job searching methods, which um, I'm sure the people at OCPD are super happy. I'm saying right now. <laughs> yeah, I would I would definitely say so. Well, and it's it's funny. I think. So, you know, I found out about this job on Twitter and actually the the first job that I had right out of grad school, I found out about on Facebook after, you know, a person who I was who I was friends with uh, posted about it. So I think certainly, well, and I think what that illustrates is not necessarily, you know, Twitter and Facebook are the best place to be looking for jobs, uh, but just that you should be doing intentional networking um, so that, you know, the people who are, both the people who are your your peers in the field that you're interested in and people who are you know say a couple of steps in the field that you're interested in but a couple of steps beyond you um, so that you're connected with them you know what they're talking about and you know if when they are you know when they're either learning about jobs that others are 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 promoting or if they themselves are hiring then you know you have that connection already in place and you're you're kind of hooked into that conversation yeah, the importance of networking is in the job uh, mark, job search is something that I'm always uh, struck by when I hear stories from alumni. Um, so moving on to our next question, uh, what skills or experiences do you think people should have if they're looking to work for USIP or a similar organization to help them be successful? Yeah, you know, it's a great question, and it's a little bit different depending on what your specific role is, um, because you know, a place like USIP uh, does a lot of different things, um, and depending on what your like what your specific role is, the skill set would be the skill set would be a little bit different. 
you know, like for someone in my, in my position specifically, you know, a lot of training in, in research design, in carefully thinking through how you would design a research project uh, and how you would think about communicating the, the results of that in a way that would be accessible and useful to others. You know, those are absolutely crucial skills, um, certainly for anyone who's in a, a position similar to mine. But, you know, a lot of folks who work at USIP, they do more, you know, direct programmatic supervision. So they are, you know, overseeing training programs or, you know, uh, international planning, international convenings uh, or, or that sort of thing. And so, you know, for that, the specific skill set is much more in, you know, a lot of logistical planning, good time management, that sort of thing. So the specifics will, you know, specifics will vary a bit depending on, um, you know, what, you know, what your particular interests are and what your particular position is. I think a couple of things that are cross-cutting, uh, you know, cross-cutting across that, um, intercultural awareness, I think, is really crucial for anyone who's in this field. Um, you know, we work, we work internationally, we work in a variety of, a variety of environments where there are, you know, different cultural norms, different political norms. And, you know, the specific team that I work with involves people from many different countries. We have staff, uh, from, you know, we have staff from Latin America, we have staff from East Africa, even, you know, just on my team, much less on, you know, sort of the larger Institute. And so I think, being sort of you know conversant in conversant and comfortable working in you know diverse uh, diverse environments is a, a really crucial a really crucial skill set. Um, beyond that, I think you know you're I think there are sort of some things that would be kind of intuitive. You know, good time management uh, is obviously crucial. You know, good being able to like work well in a work well in a team setting uh, is is really crucial. Um, and I think, you know, one thing, uh, being able to easily, like easily take in and integrate a lot of, a lot of complex information at once, um, you know, learning sort of good information management skills, I think is also something that is really crucial and broadly applicable across, you know, a number of different kinds of jobs at a place like USIP. Yeah, um, kind of feeding off of what you ta said about, you know, working with diverse uh, partners and stuff and things like that. And earlier you said that you work a lot with activists around the world. Um, so how in your work in a USIP in general, how, how important is the role of diversity, equity and inclusion in that and how how much of an emphasis does USIP place on that in your work? Yeah, I mean, I think so. First and foremost, it's it's absolutely crucial. Um, they're, you know, working in like working in conflict zones, working with vulnerable populations, you have to center you have to center those people's voices and you have to you can't approach you can't approach working in conflict zones from a sort of top down we outside we outsider americans know best um one that's unethical two it's just not going to work um and so you have to be like you have to approach this work from a position of valuing a like valuing a complex set of voices 
and not being willing to settle for simplistic narratives. And I think that's, you know, so that's crucial um, when it comes to, you know, that's crucial to our work. I will say this is something that USIP has been doing a lot of reflection on over the last couple of years, both what does justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion look like within USIP and also in the larger peacebuilding field. Because unfortunately, in peacebuilding, there are, you know, there are legacies of, you know, a lot of top-down sort of Western, Western external powers sort of trying to like dominate, like dominate the conversation with their own, like with their own perspectives. And that's been, you know, I think there's there's good research out there showing that that's been that's been destructive. And so um, we have kind of you know, we, USIP over the last couple of years has had an internal process reflecting on how we as an, like we as an institute can be, you know, can be better reflecting those values. Um, I think I, ha I have to shout out my, my colleagues uh, in USIP's anti-racism coalition, uh, which is a, uh, a group of uh, black identified USIP employees who have really taken the lead in, in driving that conversation forward. Um, and then our, we've also been having, again, sort of trying to convene a wide range of actors in the larger peace building field to talk about, you know, how does, like, how does diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, show up across peace building more broadly? And how can we make, uh, like, how can we make, um, international peace building institutions more just diverse, equitable, and inclusive? Um, I think it's certainly something where, you know, USIP doesn't do this perfectly by any means. Uh, we have a long way to go in correcting historic inequities, um, but I'm I'm encouraged by sort of the uh, you know, sort of the boldness and dedication that a number of my colleagues have have shown in this uh, that I, I've done my best to support, um, and also encouraged by sort of the the larger conversation about how this shows up in the in the peace building field uh, more broadly as well. Yeah, that's very that's very interesting. Um, we've only got a few minutes left, so to, I've got a couple finger wrap up things I want to hit on. So just generally what do you think the hiring opportunities for USIP for peace building for similar organizations is going to look like here in the next few years as Corbell students who are listening to this are looking to graduate and enter the job market. Yeah, I mean, so I think, I mean, one thing that is uh, encouraging, I think there, I think it is a, it is a growing field at the moment. I think there is a lot of recognition. I mean, unfortunately, because of, you know, some of the terrible events that are happening out in the world. I mean, the, the war in Ukraine being the, the most prominent example of this, but you know, the fact that we've been in an era over the last several years of rising global conflict and declining global democracy, um, there's a real recognition in global policy circles that peace building is like peace building is absolutely crucial. And so, you know, Congress uh, recently sort of significantly expanded its funding for USIP, um, and the Biden administration has, you know, made uh, sort of 
made sort of global democracy and peace building sort of major priorities. And so I think we're certainly going to see kind of increased opportunities for folks who are interested in this field uh, in the in the future. Cool. Um, got it. Time for one more thing. So do you have any parting thoughts? Uh, anything you'd like to share that wasn't asked or anything that you feel is important for the people listening to this podcast to know? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a lot that we could, there's a lot that we could talk about. Um, I think I would say, uh, what's one, what's one way to sum, what's way to sum all this up? I think put yourself, uh, putting yourself out there uh, and kind of reaching out, like reaching out to people, um, is often something that can be the most, uh, the most intimidating step in building that professional network and getting hooked into a field like peace building. But almost without exception, you know, most people who are in this field are very excited about, you know, we've all kind of been there in the early, early stages of our, of our careers. We are we're generally sort of very excited to be able to talk to people who are interested in pursuing a career in this area. And so I think don't hesitate to reach out to folks, you know, folks like me or folks at, you know, other folks at places like USIP um, or other you know, places where you're interested in interested in working. People are generally pretty excited to, to talk about their jobs and what makes them excited about their jobs. And so I would just encourage everyone to kind of get over that initial, get over that initial step of, of hesitation and, uh, and, and reach out because uh, folks are generally pretty happy to, pretty happy to, to chat and uh, sort of set you on the, set you on the right path. Network, network, network it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, this has been great. Uh, I think we've got to wrap up here, so I'm going to, uh, kick it back. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Dustin and, and, and Jonathan, for joining us today. Um, yeah, Jonathan, it was, it was great to hear your... Um, I really found it interesting how you mentioned that you got your job through Twitter. I, I've never heard of anyone <laughs> getting a job through Twitter or, or finding a, a, a job through Twitter. That's that's kind of interesting. Uh, and also, I really enjoy your perspective in, uh, on DEI uh, and, and how the USIP is still kind of, you know, trying to figure things out. I think a lot of institutions are still in that, in that, um, working with that. So uh, thank you guys so much, uh, Dustin and Jonathan. I really appreciate you guys joining us today. And uh, we hope that everyone will join us for the next uh, conversation here at the Program Careercast. Thank you.